thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread, episode 12. I want to say thanks to those of you who've been making some comments about the show and rating it on iTunes. And this is going to help us as we develop the podcast and and hopefully take it to a broader audience. So if you'd also pass it on to your friends and let them know if this show has been helpful to you. We design Thread for people who take their discipleship in Christ seriously and for those who want their lives to make a difference in the lives of other people. That you don't just want to live to yourself, but you want to live to be a minister and an influence in the life of others. And so we want to follow the model of Jesus. And we've been doing that in Mark chapter 3, verses 7 today. We're going to look at 7 through 19. So uh, go get your Bible because we're going to want to go verse by verse. We're not in a hurry on thread. We just want to really pull out all the meat that we can find in God's Word and carefully examine what Jesus has brought to us. So get your Bible. We'll be right back. We're in Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 19. And today's topic is about power and authority. Uh, We'll see in the ministry of Jesus, he had a ministry that as Paul summed it up later, he said, the kingdom of God is not a bunch of words. It's not about talking. It's about action and it's about doing. And for Christ, discipleship was about action and ministry was about action. Also, it wasn't just a weekly gathering to talk more about God, but it involved doing and especially it involved war with the spirit world. We are engaged in a permanent conflict with the spirit of darkness in the world. There are two kingdoms. They are in conflict. They cannot be reconciled. One must be destroyed. And the kingdom of darkness does all it can to steal, kill, and destroy from people. And God's ministry goes forth in his kingdom to rescue lives so that we can seek and save that which is lost and we can keep people from uh, coming under any more of the power of the devil. So in, uh, if you've got your Bibles, in Mark chapter 3, we'll notice in verse 7, it, it talks about Jesus withdrawing from a conflict that was brewing in the last place where he was. He was having a battle with the Pharisees, and this will grow because he has the first year of his ministry, we call it the year of popularity. In the second year of his ministry, we call it the year of opposition because he just is he's always in fights with Pharisees. They won't back down and he won't back down either. In this case, he decided it, it wasn't the best use of his time and energy to have an unnecessary conflict with people who were not listening. So he backed out. Verse 7, Jesus withdrew to the sea. And a great multitude followed him. And as we go on down, they followed him, verse 8, because they heard the many things he was doing. They didn't hear about his talking. They heard about his doing, and it was his doing that was interesting to them. They had problems, and he was solving their problems. Uh, 
He was ministering to them by the power of the Holy Spirit, and this was changing their lives. They were being healed. Demons were being cast out. There was great activity in the ministry of Jesus. And this is important for us today because, you know, as I look across um, Christianity and, and I travel the world, so I see it in many places, we have uh, basically simmered down in many places to being a talking club. We talk about God and we come to hear men who have had years and years of education and they're going to talk more about God and we're going to sit in a room and we're going to hear all this talking and then we're going to pray, which can just be talking also. And then we're pretty much done. It's like a talking religion. But that's not how our founder uh, established it. Christianity was a doing religion. It it was busy and active and people were changed when they encountered the kingdom of God. And so that's what was happening in his ministry. Uh, verse eight says the people heard all the things that he was doing and they came to him. It came to his action oriented ministry. And so he he's looking at the circumstances and he recognizes that he needs some practical systems for dealing with the response of crowds. He's, he's coming into situations of crowd frenzy and he needs to deal with this. He needs to prepare to control the negative situations. And this is not a lack of faith. He's just being practical and, and you should be practical too. You know, for example, um, if you're if you're going down the side of the road and you see someone and and they're in the ditch and they're all bloody and you know it may be appropriate for you to bring them into your house and uh lay them on your sofa and bandage them up and feed them a meal you know that may be exactly what God wants you to do on the other hand if you're going to do this every day and if you're you know if your life is going to be a life of a helping person then you've got to have different systems. Ambulance drivers don't take people home for their wife to take care of because there's too many of them. This is what they do every day. So people who are in ministry every day and you counsel, you know, it's a normal part of your life to do counseling. Uh, the care of the, of the poor is a normal part of your life or small groups or, you know, whatever it is, when ministry goes from being something that's um, a very unusual thing for you to engage in to being the center of your lifestyle, you have to get some new systems in place. You know, you have to start saying, okay, now hold on. You know, if I bring every sick person home, we're going to have, it's going to affect my family. And a little bit of that's not bad. It's actually quite good. But um, yeah, our family has to continue to exist and we all have to be healthy ourselves so we can minister to other people. So we need to set up hospitals where people can get better care and there'll be better systems and we'll know what to do with all the blood and the, you know, it's like that. You got to think practically. And so Jesus is looking at crowds. He's realizing that he's got a crowd control issue and he says, okay, here's, here's how we're going to handle this. Verse nine. I'm going to teach with my back to the sea and you're going to keep a boat ready. And if this multitude starts to surge and they start trying to grab me and crushes me, then I'm going to get in the boat uh, and you're going to push out over their head in the water 
and they'll calm down and then I can teach them. And so, uh, you know, he's, he's organized. Look at verse 10 for he healed many and as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him and unclean spirits. When they saw him fell down before him and they cried out saying, you are the son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. So, I mean, this is a powerful ministry. He's not using just human tactics. Uh, this is power from God. And as he ministers, he is always struck by how vast the need is and how much they've got to develop more people who are competent to do this exact same ministry. Jesus wants to pass his ministry on to other people. He's not wanting to you know, just be the hero on the stage who does all the things of God, but he wants sons and daughters who are competent to war against the dark side of the spiritual realms and bring health and healing to people. And so he starts to look, and uh, he goes on to a mountain. He has a team, and this ministry's growing, and he needs to uh, share the load. And that's a, a good sign of a healthy ministry, is that your ministry is growing, and they say one person by just by themselves and by their loving ministry can gather from 70 to 120 people. You can know their names, you can know their family, you can give them attention at the level most people need it, and so uh, that's a single cell. But if you want this to grow beyond yourself, you have to get yourself out of the center of the uh, administration, and you have to build now a cluster. It's got to look more like a beehive. Um, And once you start to design a different system, you're going to have a different kind of ministry. And I can remember when the Lord showed that to us in the Philippines. We had been pastors already for five years in Jamaica, and I hadn't, I had, we had developed people, but not, not the way we did in the Philippines. You know, it was still very much a pastor run church. But when we got to the Philippines, it was a great move of God. A new church was being planted every eight hours, and this happened for 15 years nationwide. And uh, we started a church, and it started to grow. And before long, we were, you know, we were overwhelmed. And uh, we we saw the need for new systems also. And I said, Lord, I just can't, I can't keep doing this because the people we were reaching, a lot of them had drug problems and family issues, and it was, you know, counseling, teaching. It was, just, it never stopped. So I said, Lord, I can't keep doing it like this. And he said to me, what do you have in your hand? And I said, well, out of this group of about 60, there are four of them that I'm absolutely certain uh, have a solid walk with you. I have four men. And the Lord said, train four. So we spent six months training these four leaders and their wives. I never trained the men unless I could train their wives also because it needs to be a family commitment and a family ministry. And that was the best thing I ever discovered. And it it just never stopped. Once I realized that multiplication is a whole lot better math than addition, I changed everything about how I run ministries. And we started, you know, for example, when we hired our uh, praise and worship director at at Lighthouse, um, Joyce, she is extremely um, gifted. She's got a conservatory 
a music degree, and she's just a very skilled woman. And I said to her, but I'm not hiring you to be on stage. I'm not hiring you to be the uh, lead singer. It's okay with me if you never go on the stage. What I need is four praise teams because we want to start new churches and I need to give them a whole praise team when we start the church. So I need you to be a talent scout. I need you to develop people and uh, don't feel the pressure. You don't ever have to be on that stage. It's actually better for me if your energy is spent uh, building up the abilities of others. And she did that. And so for more than 10 years now, she's been in that position. We have greatly prospered as a church and um, she, I don't think I've ever seen her lead, uh, on stage, lead praise and worship. So it's about releasing the ministry to other people. And Jesus does that. He needs a team. Ministry's growing. He goes on a mountain, verse 13. He calls to him those that he himself wanted, and he appointed 12. And so he chooses these. And what was it that he chose them to do? Uh, look at verse 14. He chose them. This is their calling. They have three things in their calling. He chose them to be with him. So intimate fellowship with Christ or in a modern setting, intimate fellowship with the leader. They're going to know the leader better than anybody. Be with you a lot. So he chose them to be with him. He chose them, number two, that he might send them out to preach. So they were anointed to preach. They had a communicating messenger Uh, calling on their life. And number three, he called them that they might have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. Power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. And then the Bible gives us the names of these leaders. So let's look at that real quick. Uh, Why did he call us into this ministry? He called us and he says, okay, here are your three Callings. Number one, I want you to be with me. And if you and if I ever get so busy in our ministry that we no longer are spending time with the Lord, it's going to pervert the ministry, number one. It's going to break us down spiritually, number two. And we might even find ourselves one day in the position of the Ephesian church, which had uh, in the book of Revelation, the Lord writes to this church and he says, you know, I'm watching how hard you're working But what I really notice is that you don't do this out of love for me anymore. It's your work. It's your duty. It's your business. And it's not about love. And he says to the church, if you don't renew your your heart for me, if it doesn't become about you and me in ministry together, I'm going to remove your light as a group. And so... You know, this is central to what we are. And you can know people who walk with Jesus and people who love Jesus. Church is never business to them. Ministry is never a burden to them. They are full of the Holy Spirit because they spend time with God every day. So he said, I'm calling you to be with me. I'm calling you, secondly, that I can send you out on missions to be a messenger of mine and to communicate messages to people. And thirdly, I'm going to send you and give you the power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. Okay, let's talk about that one for just a minute. Imagine you worked for somebody and he had this private plane. It was huge. It was like a 727 and it was all dolled out 
And uh, one day your boss uh, allowed you to go to the plane and there were other people there on a journey, you know, and you actually got to ride in the plane. You can't believe it. You're riding in the company plane. And the company plane is named the Dunamis, the power. And uh, so you're riding the plane. You just think, this is so cool. I can't believe I get to ride in the plane. I'm going to tell everybody about it at the end of the day. Well, you get home and uh, a, a few weeks passes and then your boss calls you in and he says to you, uh, I am now giving you the authority to use the dunamis. Uh, th- this is what's in my heart. These are my values and this is what I love. And he gives you a list of things. He says, this is what I'm about. And the dunamis is to be used for these things. And so I am now passing to you the authority to use the dunamis. You have the, um, here's the budget. You're to oversee the budget, make sure the plane stays in good shape. Uh, you schedule the plane. This is now yours to command. And with that, you leave his office. You're in an entirely different situation now. That plane is not just uh, something that you like to watch others do. It's not just something that every now and then you might get to enjoy yourself. It's your dunamis. It's your power. It's your plane. And that's what happens in the Greek. There's two words. One is dunamis, power. And the other one is exousia, and it means authority, authority to use the power. And if, uh, you know, the power is God's power. It's, even in that illustration, it's not your plane. You can't, you know, just use it for your family to go on vacation, and you can't decide to move into the plane and sleep there every day. Uh, it's the master's plane. He has a purpose for his plane, and we had better be about his purposes. But that's what he's done in the church. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, the same spirit that allowed him to do every miracle that he did. And so he says to us, now I'm giving you the authority to use my dunamis. This is my spirit. This is my guide. This is my power. It's the same power I used to walk on water and to heal people and to cast out demons and multiply loaves and fishes. And now I'm calling you in to say, you are hereby authorized to use my dunamis. You can use my power. You can walk in my spirit for my kingdom's sake. Go and do it. And we have not only authority, but we have responsibility to use this authority. Don't let your ministry just be about talking to people. Understand that you have command power now. You can speak to diseases. You can speak to discouragement. You can speak to poverty. You can pray for people, but even when you pray for people, remember that these conditions disappear according to the pattern of Jesus. These conditions disappear when you command them to disappear. So use the power that Jesus has given you. This is his ministry, not yours and not mine. And we need to use his power to do his work. It's his kingdom, not ours. And his kingdom is coming. But it comes as we go throughout the world in a decentralized way, doing good wherever we go, ministering to people on the right and the left. And God will use you if you take that attitude that, Lord, I'm spending time with you. That's my calling. I'm going out now to be a voice for you. And I'm going to go out with my dunamis. I'm going to take out the power with me. 
do that. And God's going to use you in some really awesome ways. And when he does, I would love it if you would email me, chuck at quinley.com. Hey, don't forget to check us out on uh, our personal website, quinley.com, or the ministry site, emergenetwork.org. We're doing a lot of work on that site. It's becoming a better and better every week. Andrew, my son Andrew, is taking over that, and he's just doing a super job with it. So you'll find some things there that will interest you and feed you. So we'll see you next time on Thread. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread.